You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bo's Nose Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. And good afternoon, and Louie brings us into the show here. (laughs) Good timing, Louie. The cat's laying next to the heater that's next to me, and I think he's a little little pissed off about the cat being closer to me than he is. (laughs) Well, welcome to another edition of the Bo's No Show. As we're live radio here, student-run radio. Uh, yeah, from, I resemble that. From beautiful downtown Elmira. Uh, and we come to you live every week, week at 4 o'clock Pacific time. And uh, I'm your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich. And we talk about all sorts of things here on the Bo's Nose Show, but mostly we want to talk about what you want to talk about. So we like to have people call in. Louie, leave the cat alone. Uh, we like to have folks call in at 646-721-9887. And just press 1 so we know you want to get in on the show. You're not just calling in and listen. Again, at 646-721-9887. Just press 1. And that lets Robin, who you heard just a minute ago, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get on the show. And actually, it's not very student-run. You should see Robin's setup with, like, 10 screens and filters and everything else. She tries to keep going to, to make sure that I'm actually coming across both Facebook Live and Blog Talk Radio and all the various um, other ways I get across while monitoring the board for callers and everything else. Um, and went ahead and did, didn't update and changed everything. That's why we're starting late on the video. Ah! Ah. <laughs> yep. But we're here now. And uh, Louis gotten quiet for a minute. <laughs> Hopefully he'll stay quiet. Well, <laughs> yeah, watch that one. Are you gonna are you, are you gonna get on the show? Get up here. Get up here. There we are. Louis. This is Louis. And if you're expecting to hear about COVID today, we're having a little bit of a distraction and, and a moment of calming. Yes, calming poodleness. Okay, moment's over. Let's talk about COVID and science. Ah, uh, yes. Um, yeah, I just wish our governor would blind me with science. I wouldn't be so upset if she would. Unfortunately, science is is not having a whole lot to do with the decision-making around COVID in this state, unless you consider it to be political science might be having some of those decision-making. And I've kind of made the news in the last couple of days because I I took on 
you know, the, the, the one thing you're really not supposed to take on around here, I took on the University of Oregon. And it's not that I really want them to be closed. It just is maddening that businesses like fitness centers that have no record of transmissions of COVID in this county or even the state are being kept closed while the university remains open. That is our largest contributor to new cases in the last couple of weeks. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Yep, and it just, it, it's disconcerting. I've been asking for weeks to have some separation of Lane County and to be considered as the diverse geographical county that we are. The University of Oregon is not Lane County. I could take about a four square mile area and get 90% of all of those cases plus a bunch more if you, you know, concentrate on that, that university campus and the, and the neighboring apartment complexes and fraternities and everything else that are around there. That's, that's the hot zone. Lane County is over 4,700 square miles, not four. Over 4,000 square miles, Governor. Why are we being kept in extreme risk and shutting our businesses down because of a hot zone that's four square miles? I mean, there are even parts of Eugene that shouldn't be shut down. Why is Santa Clara being held hostage over the university? You know, why is West Eugene and Bethel being held hostage? Why is Springfield being held hostage over this? let alone the outlying communities that have absolutely no interrelationships with the university. Junction City, Fenita, Cresswell, Florence, Oak Ridge, Cottage Grove, Lowell, Mackenzie Bridge, Blue River. Why are businesses being restricted because of that hot zone right there? And just to demonstrate that, Robin my producer extraordinaire is going to throw a couple slides up on the screen, and 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 I asked her eventually to toggle between the two a couple times. But we're starting out with one that's from the Lane County website and our, our COVID data, and it's a zip code map of the cases over the last two weeks and where they're located by zip code. And if you know your zip codes around here, if you look at 97401, 97403, and 97402, that's all, almost all of the cases, you know, several hundred cases concentrated in this little area right in downtown Eugene. Then when you start looking at other maps, I've got a map that I got from the Oregonian that's by zip code. That's from the beginning of the COVID, and if and their map is colored, you know, darker and darker by how many cases per ten thousand, and there's this one zip code nine seven four zero three that includes the university. That's this dark blue that is over five hundred cases per ten thousand people. If you zoom out, it's it it's just not that bad in the rest of our county. We are basically punishing small businesses 
and their employees, and particularly these businesses in the fitness industry and the restaurant industry, employ people at service level wages, which is, tends to be low income folks. So you're punishing low income folks. And it also happens to be one of the industries that has a significant BIPOC slash minority population working in those industries. So how is it social justice to allow a bunch of privileged students at U of O to continue to spread COVID while you're shutting down an industry separated from us in this county that is low income and employs all these, you know, underprivileged communities that you're so concerned about, Governor. All I'm asking is, go ahead. If you want to maintain some high restrictions, maintain them in, you know, pick a distance from the university one mile, two miles, or zip code, however you want to draw a boundary, let that stay in extreme risk. Let the rest of Lane County drop down to high risk at least. In fact, there's probably areas of Lane County that should be down to medium risk and, and allowed to fully reopen. But I won't make you slice it that thin. But the, to look at Lane County at the size we are and try and make one size fit all for our county is wrong. I don't really wanna close the university. I don't think they need to because most of their cases are in kids around age 20. Very, very low risk for any sort of complications, let alone death from COVID. Most of them have it was asymptomatic, which means no symptoms. They test positive, but they never show any symptoms of COVID. You know, why are we, you know, I don't want to close them down. I don't think they need to be closed down. Like to see their numbers drop. But I think one of the reasons you're seeing such high numbers in university is they're testing like crazy there, which gets to a whole nother place where science isn't being used in this state to make decisions. We're testing students over and over and over again at university. I have friends that have kids that are at the University of Oregon, and their kids have been tested multiple times. I also have friends that work in long-term care facilities, and they've only been tested like once or twice during this whole pandemic. Why? Because the governor is only requiring workers at long-term care facilities to be tested once every four weeks. But University of Oregon football players are tested at least once a week. And the campus is just overloaded with testing. The number of tests per 10,000 in population is incredible. Why aren't we just taking that testing capacity and testing our workers that are dealing with our most vulnerable population the most? You know, we're actually getting past the need for that in some ways because we've actually started vaccinating those folks that work in long-term care facilities and the residents of those facilities. But two months ago, I was asking this question, three months ago, you know, why you were testing a 20-year-old football player in perfect health and in tip-top shape once a week 
but you were testing somebody that was getting in contact with long-term elderly at, a, at an elderly care facility only once a month. Where's the science in that decision? We, we, we're not using science when we talk about restrictions. We're using a one-size-fits-all, causing a, a lot of other problems with the business closures. You know, the lack of rents being paid and building up this whole issue of evictions once they lift the moratorium. You know, it, it's, it's just snowballing. You know, over on the coast, you can go to Yahats and sit down in a restaurant and eat. But if you travel a half hour or so south into Florence, you can't get in the restaurants, carry out only. But if you travel a little bit further down the coast of Reedsport, you can sit down at a restaurant. Makes absolutely no sense. Because Florence has got a very low case count over the last two weeks. Less than 10. But, you know, not only are we not using science there, we're not using science in how we're distributing vaccines. You know, we've, we've chosen, and this is where the political science gets involved, we've chosen to push educators and school employees ahead of seniors. It makes no sense at all. You know, if you look at the data on COVID and who has the highest risk of being hospitalized, which we're all worried about overwhelming our hospitals, that's, you know, that was the big thing about flattening the curve, don't overwhelm the system. And then the highest risk of ending up in an ICU and on ventilation, and then the highest risk of actually dying, it goes up by age. You know, if, if you're over 80, you've got a one in five chance of dying from COVID. But if you're 30 something and teaching school, you've only got a one in 1,000. If you drop it down to the college age kids, it gets to be almost, it's like almost one in 10,000. One in five, who do you vaccinate first? to protect the capacity of your hospitals, to protect the capacity of your ICUs, and to prevent death. You vaccinate seniors first and you work down by age because the risk drops as, as you get younger. Once you've finished up those seniors, then the next people you go after are folks under 65 that have complications that, that also increase your risk. You vaccinate the folks with diabetes. You vaccinate the folks that have you know, you know, pre pre-existing heart conditions and all the other, you know, immune deficiencies and everything else that have that high risk factor. And then you get into the people that have potential exposure issues and work in critical industries, grocery store clerks, folks working at the gas pumps and supplying your energy. You know, teachers are still mostly doing everything over the internet like this, you know, until they're doing in-person classes, where's their exposure risk? How did they end up at the top of the list? Ahead of seniors, not science, political science. 
So it looks like we've got Tyler that would like to uh, get in on the show here. Like I said, anyone can call in and, and change the topic or, or take us where where they want to go. So Tyler, what? Got a comment or a question? No. Well, no, actually, I, I live in uh, I live in and uh, I'm a senior executive producer for Alternative Public Radio International. I've done over three thousand shows. Uh, to date, and I was just listening to you. What you're saying is making a lot of sense uh, to me, although I don't call this uh, bioweapon uh, vaccine. It's not a vaccine. Technically, it's a bioweapon uh, that contains nanoparticulates, and uh, of course, it's connected to 5G, 6G, and it's incorporated with the luciferous uh, synthetic that Bill Gates has come up with for tracking and tracing. And it also contains the hydrogel, which is coming out on the second vaccination, if you've gotten that one yet. Uh, the hydrogel, which actually meshes with your central nervous system, parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system, and you can't ever get rid of it. So it actually connects you and changes your DNA factor through using CRISPR. Uh, CRISPR uh, works with the RNA, the ribonucleic factor, and goes in and clips out a portion of your DNA and inserts this particular program that Bill Gates and others have come up with in the dark state to track and trace you basically till the time you die. Yeah, well, I'm not well read on some of those subjects. Um, I am, you know, looking at the data from the, the trial run and far as effectiveness goes and side effects, I, I'm not seeing it. I'm planning on getting the vaccine. I, you know, I know there are people that won't, and one of the things I will always fight for is your right to refuse to take the vaccine. You know, if you feel that yeah. it's unsafe with all these issues with it, you should not have to take it. Um, but, you know, right. I, I, I believe it's safe and effective, so I'm going to take the vaccine. But um, I, I, you know, I just don't know enough about some of what you're what you're saying because I haven't done the reading on some of those things. Um, but I, I so I have done the reading at least on the the process of getting the vaccine approved and distributed, and I, I I feel comfortable personally. But that you know, like I said, I will fight for your right to say no <laughs> because you right. should be allowed to say no. And I will fight for you to say yes. Uh, However, I will still express my strong opinion that this is a bioweapon that was created by the dark state, by the shadow government, by the military-industrial complex to keep people under control, to keep the populace under control, keep them in the slave mode, and be able to uh, be able to glean information from. Uh, the Homo sapien, the human body, uh, as these nan and nanoparticulates are injected into your bloodstream and connect with your, uh, go through your blood-brain barrier and connect with your cerebral cortex and your frontal lobes and your temporal lobes and your medulla oblongata, uh, 
actually become a part of you, so you become a part of the Borg. Uh, this has been planned for a long time with Klaus Schwab, uh, you know, Klaus Schwab, uh, who is over there at the World Economic Forum uh, working with Agenda 21 and Agenda 45 and uh, the New World Order, of course. Uh, those who don't believe in the dark state or the shadow government wouldn't have a clue as to what I'm talking about. Uh, this is a very nefarious mission that uh, they are on. And as you know, Bill Gates has been kicked out of so many countries for killing hundreds of thousands of children. Um, they want his head on a platter in many countries. Uh, Dr. Fauci should be in prison, should be in jail along with Dr. Birch. Uh, they should all be in jail for crimes against persons. And of course, this vaccine, as you call it, is killing hundreds of thousands of people. It's just not being reported. Uh, they signed a bill where it doesn't have to be reported. So there are hundreds of thousands of people getting Bell's palsy. There are hundreds of thousands of people that are getting cerebrovascular accidents and uh, trans uh, uh, TIAs. Um, transient ischemic attacks and upper respiratory uh, failure and so forth and so on, cardiac problems and others. So, you know, it's a matter of doing the research. Uh, you may think you've done the research, but you may, in fact, have not done the research that I've done. I do 50 hours of research a week. I'm stuck here in the house in Vanita, and uh, I research uh, really deeply on the dark web uh, where ha Congress hangs out most of the time on the dark web. Um, where most of the nefarious actors and the multinational corporations hang out on the dark web. I've been hanging out there for four years to get the straight on all of this stuff. Uh, this uh, particular strain of COVID is nothing but an influenza one. Uh, it's an influenza one. It's not even influenza two. Uh, the common cold, the death rate from this whole uh, sham is lower than that of the common flu. So a lot of people need to do a lot of research and a lot of reading and a lot of study. Yeah. Well, Tyler, I, I, I appreciate all the background and information and, uh, you know, keep, keep doing your research and, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get past all this. Um, don't disagree with you on some things around Agenda 21. I, I actually gave a talk on that last week to a, a, a group, uh, a group uh, that was unaware that Agenda 21 even existed. Um, right. But that, that's a whole long story uh, that, that, that's maybe for a different show. Um, right. But I'd like to try and get to, to maybe talking a little bit about how we're, how we're uh, you know, shutting down businesses here over case counts in, in a, at a university and uh, and how it's impacting Lane County and um, maybe move on to a few other topics that I want to get to today. But I appreciate the call and uh, keep up the good work. I'll mute myself and listen. Great. So that's, you know, a good demonstration of, you know, if you have you know, a topic you want to jump to or a subject you want to discuss a little bit more in depth, you can just give us a call here on the Bo's Nose Show, 646-721-9887. And just press one because that 
kind of puts a little icon up on our, our board that, that shows that you want to get in on the show versus uh, we have a couple people that call with their cell phones to listen to the show because they're either driving in their car or something like that um, and away from a computer. Um, and they can't get to us on Facebook Live. Speaking of Facebook, um, those two maps that I was making reference to earlier that show the hot zone in Lane County, um, I, uh, Robin's putting those up on our KRBN Internet News Talk Radio page. And, uh, you know, you should be able to find those pretty easily uh, and, and take a look at, at that that graphical descri you know, description of where those cases are, are and how small of an area of Lane County they're concentrated to. Um, so I, I'm sorry, I kind of got lost my train of thought a little bit there on, on the, here on the Bo's Nose Show between barking dogs today and, and uh, thinking about uh, nanoparticles crossing my, my blood-brain barrier um, and becoming part of the Borg, uh, I, I'm now now have on my mind. You know, you will be assimilated, <laughs> and, uh, and it's taking me in a completely different direction. I'm thinking about ten different sci-fi movies that I love and good sci-fi books that I've loved over the years. Um, some of them more predictive than others, and you know, and it kind of gets back to just this whole idea of how they they're you know, even whether you agree or disagree with the vaccines if you're distributing the vaccines purely on public health science basis you don't put educators ahead of seniors and it and it gets to another you know speaking of good books that are coming true that are scary it's the perfect animal farm you know situation where you're you're talking about some animals are more equal than other animals and if you're a member of the Oregon Education Association or SEIU or some other public employee union that's part of you know our K through 12 system here in Oregon you jump to the head of the line in front of seniors that could die from this so I Robin, I'm looking at the board. Um, there's no question by Jeff. Is he just listening? No, Jeff would like to uh, like to talk. He's driving, so it's kind of hard for him to hit buttons. Okay, great. So I'll, I'll... Jeff, uh, coming from Florence, uh, what you got on your mind? Hey, Jay. Thought I'd come in and save the day here. Um, <laughs> first of all, give you the weather part from uh, Florence. It's cold. Uh, there's no surf at all. There's one fishing boat way out there on the on the horizon, and uh, it's pretty peaceful here. Um, yeah. So earlier this week, uh, since I I volunteer for the for the VA, um, they were telling us get your shots. It wasn't mandatory, but they were asking us to get our shots, and so uh, I thought I'd preempt that, and so I went to Quest Laboratories there in um, Eugene and got my antibody test for uh for the virus. And you would think people would first, hey, maybe I'm already uh, immune to this cuz my body's already built up the defenses. Yeah, I kind of wonder about that too because I swore that I had covid in December around Christmas time before the actual 
it became news. Uh, but my wife was sick first, and she had been traveling in Europe um, a, a month before that. Uh, well, you know, before I got it, a couple weeks before she did. And then I got it right after she got better. I got it. And we were, it was like having the worst flu in the world. Yeah, I mean, I slept several days straight through the day, practically. So um, I, I feel like I have already had it. So that's a good idea to get 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 tested for the antibodies first. If you're particularly if you're feeling um, a little bit antsy about getting vaccinated. They're still not quite yeah, sure exactly. whether yeah. test antibodies makes you immune or not. That you know, they, they, they won't commit to that, but um, I think it does. Yeah, I mean, I I was just chatting with some lady at the bookstore, and she says, yeah, that makes sense. Why put something in your body that you don't need? Um, anyways, yeah. and so I got it through Quest Laboratories. Um, I just called up on the Internet, found that I could order this thing, and I just went to the laboratory, and I got my results, like, I think three days later. And I believe Kroger, so what is that, Fred Meyer? I think they have the tests there really inexpensive. Yeah. So if I can ask. Do you have the antibodies? Can you believe this? Of all the times I want to be get a test back that says negative, it was negative. I mean, I was so disappointed because I had been around people that had told me they were sick, they lost their taste, and I was around them at this time. And I've been around on I've been in airports, I've been on planes, I've been on a cruise ship when this thing all started. And I don't oh, have man. any antibodies. I am so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I get it. So I, I appreciate the weather report from Florence because uh, the wife and I are, are are going to be spending a long weekend down there, the, the Cedar Beach RV Resort, um, in our COVID capsule, known as our Airstream. <laughs> <laughs> and. Hey, uh, uh, what you got to do is, is go at it because we're getting these extreme low tides now where it, it seems like you can walk out like almost a quarter. I mean, it's I mean, I'm going to be in a kind of extreme here, but I think at those these extreme low tides we're getting now, you can go in front of the um, the driftwood in and you can walk out. It seems like a quarter mile to the edge of the water. Wow. And right now we have no surf. So you can walk out to an eternity, especially if you have some – um, some rain boots, then you can even get further out to where there's these dry lumps that go even further out in the ocean. Yeah, and the bars out there. Just got to keep an eye on the waves, though. Um, always keep an eye towards the surf when you're at, at, at that close. But, yeah, I've been down there during plus tides where the, the surf's been right up to the driftwood end. But, yeah, that, that's going to be fun. We're going to have the, have the dogs with us, so that's a lot of beach to, to get the dogs you know, away from other people and maybe get them off leash and have, let them run. Because they love to run on that yeah. sand. And if you get a chance, yeah. go over to the south dead where there is enormous, an absolutely enormous amount of wood on the beach that, that came out through the storm, that went out to sea, yeah. and then the waves were so big that it recycled it and pushed it over the jetty and just put an enormous. You, you've never seen so much wood at the south jetty. Wow. Wow. Well, if we get a chance to get around there, we'll do that. So, well, you know, the only unfortunate thing is I won't be able to go sit down in coffee roasters and have a cup of coffee or, or uh, you know, any of my favorite restaurants uh, down there. 
Um, so what you have to do is you give me a call. You give me a call, and I will line you up with some secret places that have given the state the finger. But um, you have to give me a call, and uh, we'll line up some yeah, places I, that you can hang out. We we may have to go have breakfast at a certain restaurant out there on 101. Um. <laughs> yeah. All right. You know the story. All right. Well, All right, thank Dave. you for Wonderful calling. Talking with you. Thanks you for it. the weather report. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good weekend to go to the coast because it's going to be cold in the valley. And a lot of times when it's, you know, in the thir- you know, like it's in the 30s here, it's in the 40s on the coast because it, the fog breaks up faster there because there's, you know, much more uh, ventilation of the air there. And uh, I, 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 I run for the coast on foggy, you know, fogged in <laughs> valley days because it's, it's a great Excellent. Yeah, it's 47 and, degrees here right now, and uh, you know, not quite sunset. Yeah, I think the last time I looked at the thermometer here, it was 37 in the valley. So that just gives you an idea of the difference between between the two on on these cloudy days where we get socked in and holds that cold air down in the valley. Yeah, I'm looking. Really looking forward to being down there, looking forward to getting out on the beach. Maybe, you know, I'm helping the local economy a little bit there because the, the, I'm, I'm spending money on my campsite. I'll probably spend some money in a few restaurants, uh, even for takeout, because, uh, you know, it is Valentine's Day this weekend, so probably going to get some sushi for Valentine uh, you know, to, to share at back in the COVID capsule. Uh, and it's just going to be a nice weekend down there. Looking forward to it. Sounds good. Yeah, Trish and uh, Christian at Hukilau will love you to come down and get some of their fantastic sushi. All right. Sounds great. Well, thanks for checking right. in, Jeff. And if you want to keep listening, we'll we'll, we'll keep talking here and, and find some new subjects to get to. But, yeah, that that is just, you know, the epitome of, um, you know, of a example of why closing all of Lane County's wrong is just looking at Florence over an hour away from the university. I don't know any students or faculty that live in Florence and commute. <laughs> it's shut down over those hospitals. And uh, that that's really uh, something that that shouldn't happen that way. We really We really should be dealing with this in a much more logical fashion and recognizing the size of Lane County, the diversity of Lane County, geographically, demographically, and the governor, please, I can I can't urge this anymore to anyone that's out there listening to the show today. Write the governor an email or go on their contact page and they've got, you know, one of those fill in the blank sort of contact things. Uh, you know, if you if you Google Oregon governor contact, you can find it um, and let her know that you want Lane County to be looked at, you know, in in a more in, in a less homogeneous fashion in a more heterogeneous fashion. Let the rural communities reopen, you know, and, and separate us from the university neighborhood uh, and and. 
and please help our businesses because our businesses are hurting right now. Now, so and and you know it's interesting that Jeff also brought up a great point um, to get tested maybe for the antibodies before you go ahead and get your get vaccinated, which kind of you know leads to Ty, you know Tyler's comments. You know some people are a little afraid of what's in the vaccine. Well, if you find out you've got antibodies, you don't really need the vaccine. The real question is going to be, as they get into this whole idea of, quote, vaccine passports, which I am, if a private business wants to have people demonstrate that they've had a vaccine in order to patronize that private business, whether it's an airline or, you know, a, a restaurant, that's up to them. But if you're a public entity and you're going to start requesting a, quote, vaccine passport to access that public service, I'm sorry, that's wrong. And I will fight that tooth and nail. You know, that, that's, that's uh, something. That, so I kind of wonder, though, will a positive antigen antibody test suffice as a vaccine passport for some of these businesses. So that, that's going to be a whole other discussion maybe in the future is what, what's going to allow you to fly on an airline or to get on a cruise ship, you know, to demonstrate that you're not uh, possibly going to infect other passengers. Um, um, so that, that'll be interesting to see how that rolls out in the future. So, I'm trying to look at the time here because I'm, I was confused by our streaming time left because it's uh, uh, Robin must have set it for two hours instead of an hour and a half. <laughs> okay, uh, so I, I'm I'm doing really well here on the Bose Nose Show today. Definitely uh, gotten distracted, sidetracked. Um, you know, you start hearing about the. I've I've always believed that there's something called the deep state in some ways, and it's just not necessarily a, a nefarious cabal. It's just how bureaucrats end up getting ensconced and having their own personal agendas. They wield a lot of power from an unelected position. But I'd never heard of the dark state. That was that was a that was an interesting phone call from uh, about the dark state and nanoparticles and all that stuff. Um, jump down a rabbit hole there, I guess, a little bit. And, and, and I haven't been able to pull my, my, my brain back out of the rabbit hole too much. But maybe we should um, talk about a few other things. And there was one other thing I definitively wanted to get to today on the Bose Nose Show, because it, we, I'm, I'm starting to hear this drumbeat. There's two different drumbeats I'm starting to hear one that for some reason the timber industry isn't paying their fair share of taxes, you know, which boggles my mind, and that somehow or another counties lost out on money because of that, which I still don't understand. Um, and so there's a bunch of new timber taxes being proposed. And the Association of Oregon Counties, that's the association of the 36 counties across the state that supposedly lost all this money to the timber industry, voted to oppose every single one of those timber tax bills. 
But we keep get hearing consistently how you know they're not paying their fair share and how the timber industry is more prone to wildfire. I don't know how they get that one. Um, and you know, and how bad it is. You know, it's basic, basically, you know, there's this. Uh, we're getting public testimony at the commissioner's level. Timber industry bad. You know, that's yeah. basically all, all they're saying. And then there's this claim that somehow or another the timber industry is only responsible for less than 3% of our economy. So I personally checked into that. And one of the people I checked in with about that is a gentleman named Brian Rooney. And he's an economist with the state of Oregon. So he's not a timber industry advocate. He's not... um, I don't even, I don't know what he's registered as, but I doubt he's a Republican. Um, and had an interesting conversation with him back and forth yesterday after hearing somebody claim make that claim, and got some numbers about how many jobs are tied to the timber and wood products industry here in Lane County alone, and it's over four and a half percent of the total jobs. But that doesn't tell the full story because those jobs are well above the medium wage in Lane County. The the industry on a whole averages over $12,000 a year more than than the median. So it's not just 4.5% of the jobs. When you start talking about percent of the total payroll in the county, it's much higher. But that doesn't really, that's only the employment side of the economic impact of the, of the timber and wood products industry. It brings a significant amount of wealth into this county. You know, a lot of jobs are what they call trading wealth around the economy, where you're really not creating um, a, a, a new wealth of any kind. You're just taking in exchange for whatever service you're providing, you're taking wealth and transferring it around between people. In the timber industry, they are growing timber and creating wealth and then adding value to it by making it into lumber and other products. So you keep adding this wealth into our economy. And you know, talking with Brian Rooney, he believes that it's well over 10% of Lane County's economy is tied to that timber and wood products industry. But these people coming to us that are listening to the um, 350 Eugene and Cascadia Wildlands and, and some of these other environmental groups um, beyond toxics will try and tell you that we really don't need the timber industry because it's less than 3% of our economy. And, you know, there are all these things supposedly that are wrong with the the industry. And this whole idea that they're not paying their fair share of taxes stems from the facts that large timber owners don't pay a severance tax when they actually cut a tree down and small timber owners do. Well, that whole system's got created to protect small timber owners because if they were paying normal property taxes 
and they could only get cash out of their property once every 40 to 50 years, they'd never be able to keep paying their property taxes. So they created a system in Oregon to allow those small woodland owners to defer their property taxes, to get a reduction in their property taxes, and then pay a severance tax when they harvested the trees. Now, the large owners that have multiple acres that they can put into rotation and be able to get income on a steady and regular basis, pay the full and normal property taxes on that land. That's why they don't pay a severance tax when they harvest the wood, because they've been paying the property taxes all along. For the 40 or 50 years that tree was growing on that piece of land. No one's getting shorted on their taxes. Every county voted unanimously in our last Monday in our legislative meeting of the Association of Oregon Counties to oppose every new timber tax bill that's in front of the legislature right now. Counties were being cheated out of tax money. Why? Unanimous approval, including Multnomah County. I just had to address that because we're, you're going to start hearing that over and over again. I've seen that that one OPB story passed around the, the Facebook and social media about how the counties are, are losing money on timber and all that stuff. They're not telling the whole story. And the timber industry in this county is critical to our economy. Family wage jobs. Do you have any idea what the lowest paying job is out on a timber landing where they're cutting trees down? It's $20 an hour for the guy that's running the chokers down the hill and hooking up the logs so they can bring them up to the landing and put them on the trucks. That's the starting wage. And it goes up from there. You can make it decent wage with a, without even a high school education if you're willing to work in the timber industry. And they're hiring. It's hard, hard to get people to, to work that hard. That's why it's $20 an hour. There's, there's no need for a $15 an hour minimum wage in that industry because they have to pay more to get people to work in it because it's hard work. Don't get me started on trying to slip a $15 an hour national minimum wage into a COVID relief bill. I, you know, I would love to know where in, in this document, the U.S. Constitution, the power to set wages between consenting adults negotiating compensation exchange for their labor is given to the federal government. But that's beside the point. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> you know, it, it just, uh, you know, you go from one thing to the next and, and the next, but, it, you know, it, it just amazes me how twisted science can get as we get back to our theme for the day of science, we're twisting it in how we're 
putting our COVID restrictions on businesses. We're twisting it on how we're distributing testing resources. We're twisting it on how we're putting groups in front of others for vaccines. They're twisting it in how they're reporting about the, the timber industry. And then it gets back to natural gas and what they were trying to do locally with telling us that they were actually going to reduce the carbon footprint of Eugene by banning new natural gas infrastructure with absolutely no understanding of how that impacts the electric grid and the need to purchase power generated by petroleum products to hit the peak loads that you're not going to be able to meet by burning natural gas much more efficiently in somebody's home that's piped to it. But if you don't have that pipe in the ground, they're not going to be able to choose natural gas. It amazes me how anti-choice some of that's gotten. Science. And I just wish somebody would blind me with real science sometime out there when they start talking about policy decisions, because I'm just not seeing it lately. If we were talking about using real science, we wouldn't be closing fitness centers down. We'd be thinking about closing the U of O, although I would even argue that's not necessary if you look at real science. So I'll take a deep breath and remind folks this is a call-in show. We do have about 10 minutes left at 646-721-9887. And just that's a press one to, to get in on the show here, Bo's Nose Show. Um, and we'll talk about what you want to talk about. But if not, we can talk about, you know, the beach on Florence and the fact that they've got the neg tides, tides coming, you know, negative tides. Um, that they've got going there and the beach is really long and it's kind of a cool time to be down there. It's almost as good as being down there during the plus tides and a storm and all the big waves coming right up to the, 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 the dune. Um, those extremes are kind of fun to be around the beach for. Um, I kind of like the, neg tide, the negative tides because it's also a great time to find whole sand dollars and, and, and some other interesting things in, on the beach as a beachcomber. And uh, it's also a fun time to have the dogs down there because it's pretty safe for them to be right down next to the surf. You don't have to worry about them getting pulled out with a sneaker wave um, as much as you do during plus tides. <laughs> so, um, as I said, everything's fair game here on the Bose Nose Show. You know, we can talk about some other things. Uh, we got another tax coming on the ballot this that we uh, voted to place on there. Um, it's going to be to support our OSU extension service. And it's an increase from the previous extension service tax, which was pretty small, but now they're kind of almost tripling it. Um, you know, folks are gonna get to choose it, you know, to pick between that. I, I, I will not vote against placing something on the ballot to let people choose. You know, it, particularly if it's something that comes from a citizens group that, you know, is, is advocating to have it placed on the ballot on on that sort of thing. Um, provided, one, it's something we can legally do on counting powers because we have been asked to place something on the ballot that we did not have the power to do um, and therefore would have actually 
possibly made commissioners liable for even placing it on the ballot. Um, but, you know, if somebody wants to decide about whether they want to tax themselves to provide a certain service, I'm generally supportive if it's the, you know, if there's a large enough group of citizens asking that question, and there seems to be a fairly large support group for this extension levy. Uh, there's also another tax possibly coming, uh, but this one's going to be regionally very limited, uh, and we're holding a hearing uh, next Tuesday on this, which is the Mohawk um, Law Enforcement District, uh, Enhanced Law Enforcement District, which will add um, some a little bit more rural patrol out there in the Mohawk um, Valley um, um, our district area, and the citizens of that district are the ones who have to put that on the ballot. So um, I will probably vote to put that on the ballot. Now, once they're on the ballot, I don't live in that district, so I won't be voting on that one, but I, I, I'm going to wait till closer to the election time to tell you whether I'm going to vote yes or no on the extension service. Um, kind of wavering back and forth, uh, don't like raising property taxes. People on fixed incomes, you know, are consistently having their property taxes go up just because the value of their assessed value of their house continues to increase. And as you add every one of these little levies and fees to it, um, it's starting to place some of these seniors that may have a paid off house and no mortgage at risk of losing their homes to taxes. And, and property taxes make it so you never truly own your home, as long as the government can take it away for not paying those property taxes. And that happens because I've actually, you know, had to vote on the board how to how to um, disperse a piece of property that we took in because somebody failed to pay property taxes. Um, so it's one of those things I'm always balancing in my mind. Is the is the good done by this tax enough to outweigh the bad that will happen to those folks that are on the edge? And and uh, I know Robin loves to pay property taxes. Yes, take it all. Yeah, yeah. Well, and what's amazing to me is just how high the property taxes are here in Eugene, in particular, compared to a lot of other communities around. Oregon. I, I quoted some numbers that a friend of mine put together by going on, I don't know if it was realtor.com or Zillow, and finding houses that were all in the same price range within $10,000 of each other in price in Bend and you know a whole bunch of other places. And you would think Bend would be a high tax area because it's a resort area. Um, and I think the highest tax per year on this this these houses that were all around $400,000 outside of Eugene was was getting close to $4,000 a year. Eugene, it was over $6,000 a year in property taxes because of all of the various bond levies and operating levies and options and this, that, and the other thing that we have passed in this area. It was incredible to see such a, a stark difference between communities. And it was, and this was about six or seven different properties I, we compared, they, she compared and provided me the information for. So if you kind of wonder why, you know, rent's expensive in Eugene, 
your landlord's got to pay that tax. And that extra $2,000 difference is over $100 a month just to pay the taxes. So your rent's a good $100 a month higher here in Eugene than it is in Bend just to pay property taxes. So I think twice when I, whenever I have one of these levies come in front of me on the ballot, people always have the right to, to choose to vote to tax themselves in, in that way. But I always think about who's going to fall off that table. Who's going to become part of our, our homeless problem or our, you know, housing burdened where they can't afford food because they're trying to save for rent or they can't or they're skipping doctor's appointments because they can't pay the rent. You know, who is that? How much is that going to add to that problem? Always have to think about that when you see these, you know, support the library, add you know, it's only going to cost you $25 a year if you have a $200,000 house. Don't worry about it. It's nothing. It's nothing. It adds up $6,000 a year in Eugene. Hey, Jay, if I can jump in for a second. Sure. All right. I'm not going to let you. We've got three minutes left in the program. Still a chance to call 646-721-9887, and we'll extend it if uh, if you want. But I'm not going to let you get away with uh, not telling us the trouble that you've caused in the last couple of days. Uh, well, I, I definitely seem to have gotten a lot of attention uh, because I did put out that that not really, you know, meaningful challenge to the governor. If you don't reopen businesses in Lane County, then you ought to close the, the university down if you're going to you know, stick to your numbers and, and all that stuff. If there's that big of a risk, why is the university open? Now, I really don't want to close the university. My big thing was we ought to reopen the businesses. But just mentioning closing the university, wow, boy, that brings them out of the woodwork. I have spent more time doing Zoom interviews with TV stations and uh, other folks, you know, from, you know, doing Rick Dancer's uh, internet show to, getting on Bill London on Monday morning, it, it's been, you know, <laughs> amazing just, you know, you know, pulling the curtain away from the fact that, you know, I don't think people were aware that we were that close, 27 cases fewer in Lane County, and we would have been in high-risk category. But for 259 cases associated with the University of Oregon over the last two weeks, almost 10 times more than what we if we'd had less, fewer cases, you know, so people weren't really aware. And, and my gosh, I've never had posts more shared on, on social media. I've never had more comments, arguments going back and forth. Um, <laughs> it's pretty funny. So, um, and, and that's a follow on to, you know, causing a few ways when I kind of jumped into the whole natural gas fray a, a week or so ago. And then before that, when I jumped into the whole Eugene payroll tax fray, they, they, and, uh, you know, one of the, the comments Robin told me was that I'm, I'm going to get known as the commissioner that makes waves. And I said, they call me tsunami man. <laughs> and, uh, 
Robin's going to try and get a theme song put together to the tune of Secret Agent Man. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that goes with Tsunami Man. So don't be surprised if a future episode of the Bose Nose Show opens with Tsunami Man. <laughs> uh, yeah, so long story short. Well, I see we're running out of time here on the Bo's Nose Show. I want to thank everybody for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition. And, you know, we'll see what kind of trouble and waves I can make between now and then. I'm hoping to have a very restful and peaceful weekend watching the waves over in Florence. So have a great week, and thank you for listening. Thank you.